Hello and welcome to the Fizzle Show. We are so excited. Yes, we are having excitement. That's right. Oh, it's turning into a bit of an Irish accent now. What's up, everybody? We've got some good crack for you on the show today. That's right. This is a Fizzle Show because most business ideas fizzle out. Most creative work fizzles out, if you think about it. Most of your creative ideas are here for a little bit and then they go away. What's the difference between the entrepreneurs or the ideas or maybe both that makes an idea actually come to life? That's what this show exists in, in the space of. Because more than ever, we have tools, we have opportunities, we have access to people on the internet and all this kind of jazz. Whoa, what did I just say? Yikes. <laughs> okay. Let's call it that. I'm going to put some markers there. You can guess what I was saying. But there's this creative substance, <laughs> as it were, that sometimes it works and you're able to make a baby. You know what I'm talking about, Steph. Oh, my God. <laughs> so much substance conversation today. <laughs> it is substantial. But what is the difference, to get myself back on track here, what is the difference between those entrepreneurs or those ideas that actually come to fruition, that are actually, they come to life? And how do we get those creative ideas, not just to come to life and be a thing that people visited the site and they saw that we're doing the thing, but that then become businesses and actually provide sustenance for our families, for our ways of life, to the till we don't have to be worrying about money all the time. I don't think it's very natural to be wor- worrying about money all the time. I think this is a highly unnatural state of mind, something that we didn't, we, did, we had other things we were worried about. We were worried about bears, I think, frankly, a lot of bear worry in our history, mm-hmm. a lot of saber-toothed tiger worry, right? There was a lot of things to be worrying about, but... There's not a bear on the other side of my room here. There's just the fear that I'm not making enough money. <laughs> that I'll run out of money. That uh, that what I'm doing is not important or not meaningful enough. Or that uh, what I'm doing isn't going to be successful. These are the ideas and these are the feelings. As entrepreneurs, we have to come up against every day. Because if we're going to make our thing happen, we have to put one foot in front of the other every day. Leaning into that resistance. Creating our own momentum, finding places in the world that want what we have to give them, and oftentimes learning to shift our ideas towards what they're already wanting. That's one of the big lessons you'll learn if you take the Fizzle Roadmap, for example, uh, which is, which is you should know about this. We haven't mentioned it in a long time, but we have a, a whole website full of training courses on getting you from an newbie entrepreneur to basically an advanced level black belt entrepreneur in your mindset, in the tools that you're aware of, in the way you know how to use those tools, in the simple little ideas that every entrepreneur needs to have. Like basically it's kind of like being a horse whisperer. You know, with a horse whisperer, you gotta break a horse, Steph. Did you know that? Like you gotta you gotta you gotta get the horse. It's a wild horse. It's a wild horse. It's got all these ideas. It does not want you riding on its back. But over time you can convince it that like, hey, life's gonna get good for you. If you learn to live with me a little bit, and then they, they it's called breaking a horse. I think it might be, might be fixing. How many a horse. horses have you ridden, Chase? <laughs> have you heard of equine therapy? It's uh-huh. a whole thing. It's mm-hmm. a whole thing. You spend time like with these large. Yoga. It's like goat yoga, which is a thing I'd never heard about. So, Corbett, what the heck is goat yoga? Is that you've a never thing? heard of goat really? yoga? Really? No, I'm like I'm like a yoga guy, and I've never heard of goat oh, yoga. Oh man. Oh, it's the latest thing. Yeah, you, it's the, you do yoga and like goats are around and they might jump on your back or they might give you a little nuzzle and you just kind of flow with it. You flow with the goats? Yeah. It's goat flow. That's what we're about here <laughs> at Fizzle. 
The goat flow. We're about getting you into that goat flow and <laughs> breaking the spirit of your wild animalness that needs to learn honestly how to how to do some stuff in order to be a productive entrepreneur. I mean, it's the worst metaphor. It's not a great metaphor. It, we're not breaking you. We're just helping you understand some ideas that a lot of people just are really resistant to understand. But once you get them and you see them at work and you see them happening in the community of Fizzle and you see how, it, how it's leading some people towards finding new ways uh, in their business, new directions that actually end up making a big impact in their, in their bottom line, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, these ideas are timeless. They've been around for a long time. We've got to learn them. So that's what we do in the Fizzle Roadmap. You can check that out. That's $35 a month, or you can get a big discount when you do a year of membership. Um, so you should know about that. But this... This is our podcast where we talk every week gratis with gusto to help you figure out how to how to put honey in your book. These are these are things that I'm trying to <laughs> slightly just trying to work in some <laughs> sponsor mentions, sponsor reads or whatever. But this is our fizzle show. Every week we talk about things that are important, interesting, meaningful, motivating, inspiring, educational for Indie business builders, small business builders, let's get into it. I am joined today by none other than Steph Crowder. Hello, Steph. Hey, Chase. Uh, I don't even really know where to, how to follow up all of that goodness that just happened, but I it's- will say I'm very excited to be here, uh, and I'm excited for today's topic. I think this is definitely one of the top questions or top topics that get brought up in our community at Fizzle and uh, with people who are either just starting businesses or who've been at it for a while. So I think today's is going to be a good one. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's a good top ick. You know, it's like yep. at the top of the of the top. Emphasis on and, top. Mm-hmm. And Corbett Barr, how you doing today, brother? Oh, so good. So good? So good. Yeah, I had a nice, nice relaxing weekend. I went into the weekend. We went, we went camping for the weekend. And mm-hmm. it involved leaving early Friday morning. Yeah. And I left last week having that feeling like I just did not get everything done that I wanted to mm. and almost felt like I didn't want to go away for the weekend because I'm just in the middle of this stuff that I just want to get done, mm. you know, yeah. like so yeah. bad that I'm almost willing to just put my life on hold. Yeah. But, but that all goes away for me. Like, six hours into the trip or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then right. I just forgot about it. And now, uh. <laughs> now I feel I'm, I'm really glad that I went on the trip and back to normal. Mm. Perfect. I love that. That's a great place to be. Mm-hmm. Cause those things can really just build up and like, you just, you just have a baseline anxiety, stress, like worry, just like baseline, just barely, barely there, but clearly there. And I don't think we make our best decisions in a state like that that often. I don't, you know, it's not like I can see real clear from that perspective, but I can, if I know what I need to do, I can really crush a lot of stuff when I'm in that mode. That's what I call like the cigarette and coffee mode. Have you noticed that people do like cigarettes and coffee in the morning? Like it's like a very, it's like an American pastime. There's a lot of people listening to the show right now that like, is like, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's literally nothing better than a cigarette and a cup of coffee in the morning. Now tobacco, this downer substance, this, this grounding, grounding sort of thing, right? It actually brings you kind of like mellow in your body and then coffee, this upper thing, right? It's such a perfect example to me of our culture and why we're so messed up <laughs> because it's literally one of life's best pleasures yeah. is like in a, in a modern oh, society. Just, then toss a beer on top of that. And oh dude, a cheap beer Coors. Yeah. A yeah. Coors. Oh, cold Coors. Mm-hmm. Dude, you are feeling right as rain when you're in that space. Okay. So <laughs> speaking <laughs> the point being of that space, 
you know, you can, you can bring as much high level anxiety into your decision making as you'd like is what I've learned in life. In business, in business, I can literally be as stressed out as I want to be. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Totally. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the same? Like you could, Steph, do you feel like you could be as stressed out as you, as you want to be like basically all the time? Oh yeah. And I think I lose sight of how much of that stress is manufactured by me and me alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, and, and, and how much you go. allow yourself to yes. feel, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And how, how, how worried you let yourself get. Yeah. Right. Yep. How worried you let yourself get. Now that is a very interesting conundrum because why, why? So for instance, if we were back in the day, if we weren't worried about not making enough money, we didn't have all these, I look at our, our anxieties and worries now in, in modern culture. And it's just like, they're all like these like weird, like, uh, like kind of ambiguous, amorphous things. Like I might run out of money one day or like I might get kicked out of society. I don't know what it is. Right. It's like some, but like back in the day, think about more concrete fears, like what just stepped on a stick like five yards from my campground you know like what what is the what is the beast in, out there in the world what are the what are the the large predators in this environment whatever right thinking like this it's like okay so how could you live without a high level of anxiety in that world you would be able to live without a high level of anxiety if you knew about the world you were inhabiting am i right corbett I mean, yeah, but if a bear is going to come for you in the middle of the night, I don't think you have much choice about it. So if you know that there's bears here and you know you've got the precautions for the bears, yeah. you know that you've done everything like that, that like my tribe has always done for bear stuff, mm-hmm. right? You've got a higher level of confidence, a lower level of anxiety and, and you know, whatever, ma- manic sort of mind mindlessness yeah. about like or maybe if i had set stuff. a bunch of bear traps around then i would feel like i could sleep better at night exactly the food's up like it's a, it's a way there is no food or whatever it is right you think people like, ever think that we're just punking them in the beginning of the podcast well <laughs> my life is one long series of meeting new people who have to deal with that question in their own mind uh-huh. for a while like sure is was that was that sincere? I think that was either the most sincere thing that's ever that it like or he's that just I've ever heard somebody say. Whole time. <laughs> or he's just messing with me. Right. So the point I'm trying to get to here is we can have as much anxiety as we want. And one of the things that is responsible for our level of anxiety is how much we feel like we understand the world we're inhabiting. Okay? So if you're trying to be an entrepreneur and you literally don't know how to get traction or if it's going to work or what the, what the, what the uh, mechanics of getting something to work are even like, right? It's, you're living in a world where it's like a bear can show up at any given moment. You, you do well to be stressed and anxious all the time, right? Yeah. However, if you're living in a world where you understand those things that I was talking about in the roadmap, for example, which teach you really well, like these are the, these are like the basics of business. If you feel like you have an understanding of the mechanics of how this stuff works, you can step back into a place of less anxiety and more creativity. Yes. Less, less, less neuroses and more sort of, um, what I'll call a little bit of a lean towards inspiration instead of fear. Right. Yeah. Or, or a feeling of confidence. It's like, what if, instead of, what if? <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and I personally have felt, have felt the, I've, I've lived, I've lived in both. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I have had such a high level of, of running anxiety for such a long period in my life. And then I've also made, like, made it a total project of my life to bring that down. Because I, maybe there, maybe I shouldn't be that stressed out. 
Maybe mm-hmm. it's like things are, are, maybe things aren't as crazy or chaotic or, or ununderstandable as I thought. So I've lived them both. And I, I can say personally that I vastly prefer not living in the anxious mode. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to our conversation today. What sparked this conversation for us is, uh, Steph, tell, tell the people what just launched, like the, the, the big social network thing that just launched. Yeah. So if you've been, uh, if, you know, if you've been doing this entrepreneurship thing or even just being online for any amount of time, I feel like we've all witnessed a few different cycles of something new and cool and interesting and shiny comes out. And uh, last week that was IGTV, which if you maybe haven't heard of that, it's a new kind of feature, I guess we, we could call it on Instagram that allows for longer form video. So it's really optimized. You know, people have been doing Instagram stories for a while now or even Instagram live, but Instagram stories, you kind of do these little snippets of like 15 seconds at a time. Um, this concept, as far as I can make it out behind IGTV is more designed to be five minutes or 10 minutes. Um, and people are kind of jump, you sort of have to jump onto it. You have to create a channel. So there's like a little bit of an upstart to it. And some people in this, in the online space are going really far with it already. I've seen people who have created little like, cool trail, like little intro trailers to their channel that has like music and cool shots of the city they live in. And I think it just begs the question like, wow, okay. I already felt like I had to be on Instagram, Facebook, email list, Twitter, podcasting, YouTubing, blogging, Pinterest, all the things. And now you're telling me there's IGTV. Am I supposed to take advantage of this? Could I be an early adopter? What if I don't, am I going to be left behind? So I know a lot of people's heads have been spinning uh, as tends to happen when a new thing comes out and that just happens to be the latest one. Mm. So Instagram TV just launched and I'm sure that I'm sure we go to like social media examiner, Pat Flynn's website, Amy Porterfield, uh, probably Chris Ducker, uh, others in the world of like, here's the tools that are necessary for entrepreneurship. And they'd be talking about it. Here's, here's what's why I did a little search as we were talking and it was like, you know, what the good, the bad and the ugly, like yeah. Instagram TV versus YouTube. Like, right. how do you, like, what do you, what do you need to know about this thing? Right. Um, the question that arises is, is should I like, first of all, if you're a younger entrepreneur and you're really, you don't have traction yet and you haven't been around for very long, you're going to be really quick to go like, Oh, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. This is the, this is that maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do this. When you've been going for a little while longer, you'll see, you'll see multiple of these things kind of launch over time and you'll see, okay, wait. So some of them just kind of fizzle out. They, they, they light on fire for a second and Gary Vaynerchuk is all about them. And then they're completely gone like Mm -hmm. anchor.fm, right? Weren't you talking about that, that stuff? Yep. Uh, Like musically, um, lots of these things that are just like, uh, remember there was SoundCloud, which is still like, they have no idea how they're going to pull out of their financial hole. Uh, I think of, we talked about Periscope before. Periscope is actually still around, but there was another one. It was like Mongoose or something. Wasn't it, Corey? It was like Meerkat. uh, Meerkat. Meerkat. Yep. That's familiar. And why did we have, we we like, oh yeah, that's right. That was a thing. It was the biggest thing for a hot minute there. You know, but like, then on the other hand, once upon a time, Instagram was one of these, right? right? Exactly. So that I think is where people get really tripped up is like, oh my God. And if you were one of the first people on Instagram before there were algorithms, like you yeah. really could have built a following quickly. So it's yeah, really totally. hard to know. Yeah, totally. 
Totally. So, and, and what I, one of the things that I've seen is there is like Vine was one that we, I got to watch birth and, and I was a part of it early on just doing stupid videos. Um, not even, not even very good ones, but enough early on that like you can get featured and lots of people end up seeing your stuff and then you get a lot of followers and it's like, and I was just at the very, very, like the smallest edge of realizing like, whoa, it's a lot easier to grow an audience here than it is on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram. So there is this like uh, first mover sort of, what is it, as a benefit? What is it? Advantage. There's like a first mover advantage where you're involved early on. And there's a time in a lot of these social networks where the wind's really blowing. And like, so it's not stupid to be thinking about Instagram TV going like, okay, maybe I should, maybe I should focus on this. And like, I see Pat Flynn as someone who's, who's, who's always made it a point to know about that stuff. Same thing with, with Gary Vaynerchuk, always made it to know, made a point to know about it and to be there and to try it out and then see if it works or not. And if it doesn't, eventually let's go of it. Right. Which hopefully is, is more of the mentality we can get into after this conversation. But in the context of a new thing coming out, we also received an email or saw, Corbett, was it on the, the Fizzle forums? Yeah. Should we read that now or should we just tell the gist of it? Because I feel like the co- the combination of like the feeling, the energy or buzz around Instagram stories just came out and like immediately asked all of us the question, like, do I need to be on Instagram stories now? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. And the the sentiment that we got in the forum, I feel like juxtaposing both of those is very useful. Yeah. Let me, uh, I'll, I'll read it just because it's a, it's a really good counterpoint, I think. Yeah. Um, Chris Stanley in the Fizzle forums just today, actually asked how to sit and work in the now. He said, as entrepreneurs, we all get shiny object syndrome. But right now, I'm looking at my business going, I have enough products, followers, etc., to do something now. I should be able to earn a consistent income. I need to build the process so that it can scale. Well, my team is awesome, but it's like I infected them with the next thing bug. Everyone keeps thinking... We need to be on Facebook to get this to work, or we just need to finish this next course. But it's getting hard to get them to look and focus on what we have now. I'm not a great manager of people. I inspire people, but I don't manage them well. How do you deal with contractors and other team members, partners who maybe think we have to do something else more than just fix what we already have? Mm-hmm. And listening to that, you know, Chris is talking a little bit about how to inspire people. But I think inherent in this not is just not is not just how do I get other people to see my vision, but what is my vision in the first place? And yeah. mm. for most people who don't have a team or contractors to worry about, the question applies equally to them. How do you get yourself who maybe think we have to do I have to do something else right now mm. um, versus just staying the course and fixing what I already have built? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So this question of stick with what I've already got, fix it, make it better, upgrade it, promote it further, do more marketing for this thing I've already got. I don't have any problem right now. I don't have a product problem. I don't have, I don't have a, I need something new problem. I have a get more people in this door, this door I already have problem, right? There's that. Or it's like, actually, let's play with one of these new doors. Let's play with a new product, a new course, a new Facebook feature, a new Instagram feature. Maybe it's this that I'm lacking. And I think this is tantalizing and delicious, right? This is the kind of stuff that our businesses are literally made on. Decisions just like this, okay? Where it's like, sometimes you luck out. Like for me, with my my YouTube business, right? I just, I made 
a video about a bag about eight years ago, I think, that I had not, that there wasn't any videos on it at the time, so I couldn't see what it was like when I was thinking about buying it. I decided to buy it, and I made a video. It was like so stupid, I didn't even think about it, right? <laughs> Fast forward almost 10 years, and I'm, I'm making like serious money every month by putting out videos, about bags that I like love to do, you know, like the stupidest, like little kid, like business idea, <laughs> you know? Um, and it just happened because I accidentally did it. I didn't think about it. There wasn't a strategy. There was just like a thing I, I felt like doing and I, and I kind of did it. That was a little door that I started. I wasn't thinking anxiously. I wasn't thinking strategically. I wasn't thinking anything like that. Right. And because of that, I ended up being in a place several years later to actually build something out of it. Just using that as an example of like where you are right now is actually a place that you're starting from. You don't have nothing here, for example. I could make that point longer, but I'm not going to take it or leave it. So I think we need to talk about these three dangers that come up when we're talking about what we can call either like shiny object syndrome, which is a, which is making a straw man out of the idea of there being something actually useful in something new, like Instagram TV. Great, great example stuff with Instagram itself. Instagram hit a psychological visceral nerve that such that it has not faded at all right? It has not faded from our culture. It's only become more and more and more ubiquitous, right? Something about the simple imagery, little bit of text, like you can just scroll through it really mindlessly, easily. You know, you come across something that's like the scantily clad somebody. It's like, oh, you're paying attention or a family. And it's like, oh, that's a good idea to do with my family or an artist that you follow or a piece of illustration or, you know what I mean? Whatever it is that you follow on Instagram, I have a feeling my Instagram following, like I follow very weird people compared to other people. Yeah, that little snippet was just very insightful in terms of what, what Chase's Instagram yeah. feed looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I got in a little tear of like Instagram's like showing all of these like here you should follow this hashtag now and like one of them was these like these uh like like music festivals and I don't know if you've seen what people wear at music festivals but mm. it can be exciting um and so I just realized like what how long have I been staring at this this is terrible <laughs> so I went back but Instagram hit this nerve and now it's sticking around. Will Instagram TV be hitting a nerve? The nerve, it seems like to me, would, would have to be something that's like, I want video content. I want to sit back and you just, it just happens to me. Nothing feels too serious. Nothing feels too frivolous, right? It just hits this angle of like, I can just sit and kind of like watch through a handful of these. And, and I didn't even know where the time went, right? I think there's probably a high likely, a high likelihood of this maybe being an important thing who knows right but this is the way that the social network people are thinking the actual <laughs> the actual architects of our addiction you know are thinking like like what did what are the, what is what is our biology what is our psychology craving and what do we wish we could have right and so instagram tv might be but it might just like vine was like that and it's gone you know it was different it had a totally different feature set and different sort of thing so all i'm getting at is is we've got this shiny object syndrome that we, we kind of all can realize we have, like squirrel, and you get distracted. Um, but sometimes, how do you know if there's not something actually good in it, right? Or even if there is something good, it makes more sense, it's more profitable, profitable to me to focus on what I'm already working on, right? I think, Steph, what are you hearing? Uh, to me, that feels like the conundrum. 
Mm-hmm. It is. And the other thing that the thing that pops up for me is I just want to recognize for some people listening, something like IGTV coming out may feel really deflating for you. I, that was kind of my reaction as mm. I was like, I just felt totally. my stomach drop. I was like, seriously, like I already have so many moving pieces. I feel like I got to stay on top of and you're telling me that to get ahead and get an edge, like now I got to do this. So it's very interesting for me. I know for some people, I saw some of my friends on Instagram jump right on it and they were so excited or at least they claimed to be. But I do think some people have that genuine reaction where they're like, this is so exciting. And then other people like me are like, oh, come on. I feel like I just had this thing licked. <laughs> like, yeah. So I just want to recognize that for some people, if you're not someone who gets excited about these new things like yeah me neither because i feel like once i get my my code you know cracked then Mm. i have to go and put something else in the mix it can be really overwhelming so for people who are listening who feel overwhelmed i just want to say that's that's kind of the space that it puts me into so Mm. i think as we get into these three dangers that we're going to talk about and how to sort of mitigate them um it can help take some of that overwhelm away because i think what we're going to talk about is like a system for evaluating any new opportunity that comes your way Mm. it could be a new platform it could be a job offer that comes out of left field it could be a speaking gig it could be a customer who wants to pay you it could be anything Um, but at the end of the day to me we really need some kind of criteria to evaluate new opportunities or else it's always going to feel stressful shiny object all of the things when new stuff inevitably comes along Yeah, well said. A criteria or a a system for evaluating any new ideas that come your way. This could be just you with your notebook going like, what if we did this? Or what if we did this? Or what if we did that? Okay, this is going to be, these three dangers are so critical for us to understand that these are what's going on in in our back of our mind, right? And they come up. So Corbett, with that, let's do it. Are you ready? Do you feel like there's some more setup before we get into the the first danger, Corbett? We are set up. (laughs) Okay, tell me about the first one. Okay, so we, I think, you know, have visibility into a lot of different businesses because we run Fizzle and we've, we've worked with thousands of entrepreneurs. And because of that, and maybe, you know, people listening to this also have known someone who's been working on something for a long time. And, you know, we've, we've seen people who, let's say they started a podcast or they started a YouTube channel or a blog or whatever. And years go by sometimes a couple of years and still these people have maybe nothing to show for it you know and it's it's sad and you wonder like man like how how can you get in this situation where you spend two plus years working on something and then you look at your readership or your listenership or the number of views on your videos and you just don't see anything and yet you know you can you can see maybe being that position, just feeling like, well, if I just stick to it, like something's going to change, something is going to break for me and I'll figure out the pattern or people will discover me or I'll get featured on something and then things will start to grow. But Mm. this, there's a real danger here and that is, well, what if I stay on the course because I feel like that's what I've been told I should do and another year, whatever goes by and I still have nothing to show for it. The danger Mm. here is working on something for a really long time and wasting your time on this strategy that just isn't going to work for you for one reason or another. Yeah. Okay. So the first danger here is actually wasting our time on a strategy that isn't going to work. Now, what I like about this is, is, well, we're standing right here in the present time and we can't know for sure if it isn't going to work, right? 
And we have this hope that it's still going to work, right? So that, that kind of, that, that phrasing of it, working on something or wasting time working on something that isn't going to work. It's a kind of like false knowledge that we can't quite have right now all the way. But there are things we can be looking at, I guess, you know, data and results to get the sense of like, oh shoot, this is not going, like we're not seeing the traction. It's not happening, right? And I think one of the hardest things about that gets to that. Um, Steph, tell me about what was the feeling of that deflation feeling mm-hmm. that you felt with it? Like, tell me about that for a second. Well, I think that there's just a lot of FOMO, right? Like fear of missing out when it comes to business. And um, when you see other people are early adopters, um, you start to kind of weigh the pros and cons of abandoning your current strategy if someone else is getting something. Like I think a lot in business about the difference between scarcity and abundance mindsets, right? And uh, for me, I find I'm always in a much healthier headspace when I gravitate more towards the abundance, which is like, hey, there. I, I really am a believer in life that there's enough to go around. Like I'm a, that's just one of my core values. But inevitably, we all slip into that space of feeling like, but what if there's not? And what if that person gets more because you know she's my competition and she's mm. on IGTV and people are yeah. watching? And you kind of just start to spin out on this. Um, mm. So for me, what that comes back to is in you know, not to, not to jump ahead on this, but it's just like so important to me. I can't not go here is I have to take it back to my personal vision. Like I have to ask myself, okay, like for me personally, I'll just go ahead and put this out there. I didn't, I have not done anything on IGTV. I'm on Instagram. I try to do stories. I post and that's about it. Strategic decision to not jump on IGTV. Cause I asked myself like, okay, best case scenario, I go on it and I get traction. How do I feel about that? And my reaction was like, oh, I I actually am not interested in being like an IGTV influencer right now. It's Mm. taking me away from the direction that I feel really good about. So when when Corbett was kind of talking about like you could go too far in the direction of something that's not working, um, Chase, you kind of briefly brought up looking at some of the metrics and the data, and that's definitely yeah. one thing to look at. But for me, on the intuitive side, I got to check in with my energy and say, this direction that I keep going in, how am I feeling about it? Like, am I feeling engaged in the work that I've committed to? Am I feeling like there's some momentum there? And if the answer yeah. is yes, then I've really got to be ruthless about keeping the door shut to things that are going to distract me from that. So in addition to metrics and data and evaluating it that way, I think checking in with your own energy level towards the current path that you're on is a really useful way to keep on track because you can look at it and say, you know what? No, I'm really excited about what I'm building right now. I don't need to get distracted by the next new thing because I feel really good about the direction I'm heading in. And if somebody else like blows it up big because she was on IGTV first, then that's all the better for her. I feel like I've got, you know, my direction and I need to keep going with it. Yeah, I love that because in this construct, which I think is so perfectly put together, like one of the big dangers is wasting time on a strategy that isn't going to work, right? That's exactly as dangerous as not working on something that is going to work. Exactly. Right? They're both, they're both built on the same sort of teeter totter tip of the, of the pyramid kind of, or tip of the triangle sort of thing where it's like, you're just right now and you actually can't know for sure if it's going to go one way or the other. Do you have the kind of, <laughs> this sort of self-awareness or sort of, <laughs> what's that old quote? Um, it was actually from a Peter Gabriel song, I think. It was like, I hold my fear so my fears don't hold me. Mm. 
something like that. Cause it's like, you're standing at that precipice and it can like, you're saying like, I, the one danger is wasting so much time doing something that isn't going to work. The other danger is not doing something that is going to work. You know, in mm-hmm. some ways it's like, you're still just at the top of that triangle going like, which, which way am I going? Right. right. And I think I'd love to hear Corbett. Like, so in, in that context, Corbett, how do we know if we're, we're, how could we know if we're working on something that isn't going to work, effectively wasting our time? How could we know if we're working on something that is going to work? Like, what are the things you look at for sort of uh, signals there, Corbett? So the first thing to get out of the way is you can never know with 100% certainty. You probably can't know with, I don't know, 50% certainty. It's part of being an entrepreneur. Part of life is there are a lot of things that are unknowns. There's this movie with Gwyneth Paltrow from 10 or 15 years ago or something called Sliding Doors where she gets to see what her life would have been like if she had made one different decision. It kind of shows parallel lives. And I think we all have a lot of parallel lives out there. You know, what if we had chosen a different major in college or we had married someone else or we had decided to start a business at a much earlier age. There are a million different decisions that we could make that could have led us in, in different directions. And even small decisions in your business, I think have radically different potential outcomes and you can never know what those are and you don't get to experience both of them. So instead what you have to do is do your best job of evaluating opportunities and deciding on a direction to go based on the information that you have right now. And then Mm -hmm. you can adjust as you learn new things. So go ahead, Steph. No, sorry. I I didn't mean to cut you off. I I think that's just such a huge point. That's been absolutely instrumental for me is we've got to take out this idea that there's any one right decision. I remember the first time I really embraced that in my career and then also in my life. It's it's very liberating. And I still hear people in our community say like, what's the right thing to do with my email list? Or like, what's the best way to lead my coaching program? And it's so freeing if you can just let go of that rhetoric and understand that there really is no one right way. I've seen people set up coaching programs 700 different ways. Uh, what works for one person does not work for other people. And when you really embrace the idea, like Corbett said, that if you just make the best decision you can with the information you have at the time and truly be at peace with that, I personally believe that's the key to happiness. Certainly business happiness, but probably life happiness as well. What What is the key? Say that again. Uh, you make the best decision you can with the information you have at the time. And then you be wow. fully at peace with knowing like you can't, you know, two years from now go, oh, if only if I had done this or if I had done that. Well, you didn't have like, of course, like the rear view mirror is twenty twenty vision. You didn't have the information to know that at the time. So you do the best you can in the moment and you feel mm. good about that, knowing that you did your very best with the information that you had. And then you let it go and recognize you know that, that there's me think of? no right It makes wrong. me think of like the people who played sports well (laughs) in like high school college it makes me think of like there's there's something in that you kind of i never learned because i never played sports past junior high i got into music and stuff which is a very different world but there's this thing where it's like the other team scored a goal and i was the goalie the question is am i able to rebound and go i honestly did the best i could with the with the information i had at the time he went left. I thought he was going right. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? 
Well, it's and, like, not, and not just that, but, you know, um, not to blame someone else or your situation for what happened there. And then right. to, instead of regretting something that you might have been at fault for, oh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I really should have been more centered in the goal there. I was way too far mm-hmm. off, you know, or whatever. Right. Instead of regretting that, just taking what you can from it and then applying it to the future decisions or situations that you have to be in. Like Steph right. said, you know, two years from now, you kick yourself, like, I really should have seen that IGTV opportunity coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. And which is going to be hilarious if we are like two years from now looking back on this episode. That's going to be totally. Make me laugh. <laughs> but looking back on it and, and instead of like kicking yourself for not doing it, um, taking, asking yourself, what other questions could I have asked at the time? And this is a good reason to actually write down when you make decisions so that you can look back mm-hmm. at where your head was when you made that mm. decision. Keep a little yeah, notebook right. of like, you know, and just write IGTV versus continuing my podcast and write down what you had in your mind during, at the time you made that decision so that you can improve your decision making process in the future. Mm. No, I love that. Okay, so this is amazing. This is all the first danger, and it's pointing at what I what I want to call like the essential journeyingness of I'll say I'll say entrepreneurship, but I mean life, like this essential like journeyingness of life. You've heard this tritely said, like it's not about the destination; it's about the journey. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's this kind of thing that's shown up again and again. Like it just, this, this tired old cliche. Um, but, (laughs) but like the older I get, the more it makes sense. The more, the more I'm totally like being converted to that way of being. Because if the guy scores on me and I'm the keeper, the question is, am I a failure or am I still learning? And to me, for where my psychology goes, like I was so, I, I take shame so, so personally. Like it's like shame is like to, to have let down my, my family or my dad to have done the wrong thing. For some reason, my little brain thought that was like the end of the world. Right. So if I made a mistake, I'm over. I'm done. Like I'm kicked out of the family or something like that. It wasn't true at all. It wasn't true at all. But that's what like my psychology was doing for <laughs> the vast majority of my life. Um, and it wasn't until I started confronting those feelings of shame where I actually, I actually did, the guy did score and I should have learned from that. You know what I mean? But I was trying, I was too busy blaming my defenders or blaming some other reason why, or blaming some, you know, and, and that essential journeyingness of life is almost a posture of strength and of like a, I, I, I belong here. I am an entrepreneur. I am a goalkeeper. Like I belong here and I'll get better. Like, and there's probably, there's gonna be people who are better than me. There's gonna be people that are worse than me, but I'm looking at my, like Steph was saying, like I made the best decision I had with the data I had at the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm proud of myself for the way that I did that for my, for my, for my, I mean, we're getting dangerously close to giving out awards just for showing up, you know, and just self-esteem awards and stuff like that. But at the same time, for me personally, I just had to do so much personal work around that to even get to a point where failure is an option. And I'm trying anyways, which is to me, the game. Failure is an option and you're trying anyways. If you can't get into that space, and many of us cannot, that is going to be the place you stay, <laughs> right? Wherever you are is where you're going to stay. But the essential journeyingness, this like okayness with every once in a while there's a mistake, I'm learning, I won't know 100%. This is another thing that I think is so essential that we all have to kind of grok that 
you're, you can never know with 100% certainty, as Corbett said just earlier, if it's going to have been a waste of time because it didn't work or if it's going to have been the best decision because it is going to work, right? You're not going to know with 100% certainty and you kind of have to just kind of, I don't know, for me, there's like this feeling of the sense of like um, free falling in that. You know, there's this sense of almost like, like almost dizziness in that in some ways. Cause it's like, I want to know so badly which way I'm supposed to go. And the only thing that life, the universe and everything says back to me is like, which way do you want to go? <laughs> you know? And that's scary. So this is our first danger, wasting time on a strategy that isn't going to work. Do you see why when we're talking about Instagram TV, and this is the stuff you need to know about Instagram TV. We're not talking about Instagram TV. We're talking about every new potential opportunity. We're talking about ideas that you've come up with by yourself that you have to choose between, should I do this one or should I do that one? What we're helping you do is create a, a framework, a structure within which you can actually make decisions. Your decision-making ability is what, if you were like a CEO and you went to like CEO camp, this is what they'd be talking to you about, how to make decisions. How to make decisions. Cause when you're in a company where you've, it's fast moving, you've got startup capital, you've, you've raised some rounds or you're whatever, you, there, there is just this like, this need to make a decision and be going, be going, making decisions. And we can get stuck in this analysis paralysis and that kills the whole thing. All right. Let's move on to the next danger. I know that we've just like, we really opened up a whole can of worms there. Like we didn't like tie that knot up, but because I think a lot of the threads that we've opened there, they're going to be running through the next two dangers is what my hunch is. So Corbett, what's the second danger that you see entrepreneurs facing when they're deciding between staying the course that they're already on or doing something new? Yeah. The next one is kind of the opposite, right? Of what we were just talking about. And that is instead of wasting your time on a strategy that isn't going to work, you are missing opportunities because you're too focused. We decide mm. that, no, you know what? I'm going to podcast and I'm going to get to 200 episodes and by then something will have worked out for me. But instead, or, you know, because you're doing that while you're doing that, you're missing out on other big potential opportunities. And, you know, not to say that we know whether or not IGTV is a big opportunity or not. But let's say that it is two years from now, and here we are, all we decided to continue blogging and podcasting, and we had this chance. You know, we had this chance to invest in Bitcoin 12 years ago when it was, right. when it was 10 cents. Right. And, and sure, it's had a rocky couple of years now, but no matter what, if you had invested in it in the very beginning, it was obviously a massive opportunity. And because we were so focused on just putting our money away in the stock market, you know, we missed that opportunity. And yeah. there are opportunities out there. And, and the question is like, how seriously do you have to take new things that come along? Do you owe it to yeah. yourself and your business to really think about those things? Or on the whole, does it end up being a waste of your time uh, because you should have just been ignoring those distractions and keeping your head down? Yeah. Well, but the Bitcoin is such a great example of that. I mean, we all have a sense of that. Even if you only know barely anything about Bitcoin, you know that like if you had done this stupid thing and like spent $20 on Bitcoin five or 10 years ago, you would have how much money today? One gazillion around. and a half dollars. Mm. It's literally a zillionaire. Do you see what he's saying, folks? It's big money. A gazillion. But what would it be? 
It'd be like it'd be like uh, like ten thousand dollars or something like that. I, Twenty bucks ten years yeah, ago. I don't know something. I really don't know, but it's some something enough to make you go what for putting twenty dollars into a stupid thing that I would have heard about just to say like well I could have tried it at least. <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's the thing though about these kinds of opportunities that we think about, you know, and and talking about like kicking ourselves two years from now because we didn't. Sp- invest in IGTV because there's going to be like, let's say that it works out. There's obviously going to be some people who make it big, right? There are people who are huge on YouTube. There are people who were huge on Vine. Every platform that comes along, if it sticks around, is going to produce a number of stars, celebrities. Mm. And people who jump on those early, a lot of times do have this sort of early mover advantage. But I'd also like to ask how many people are in the position that, like, say, Chase was. He was there uh, in the beginning for Vine, and he put up some videos, and, and you know, it, it was easy to get traction, but you didn't go all in on Vine. How many people... No, and, and the amount of traction wasn't, like, obscene. It was like, oh, this is... It was basically... It was a little more than I could get on the other places I already was. Well, you know? Right, right. And, and how many people, you know, like, for example... Um, I bought Bitcoin at like a hundred dollars and mm-hmm. sold it at $600, like yeah. for an incredible profit. But I only bought like two Bitcoins, right? Mm. Imagine yeah. the same scenario. If I had just said, Oh, I'm going to dump my entire life savings into Bitcoin right now. And then I had yeah. 200 exit in two years yeah. or whatever that was. Right. The point I'm trying to make is not that opportunities exist, but that hindsight is 2020, and there are thousands or tens or millions of people who saw the opportunity but didn't go all in on it, and therefore aren't the Logan Pauls or the whoever the YouTube celebrity of the day is. There are just a limited number of people who go all in on a platform and use it to their advantage. So. I think it's easy for us to make these opportunities into something bigger than they are because an opportunity right. isn't just, did you spot it? It's, yeah. was it right for you? And did you pour blood, mm. sweat, and tears into this thing? Or did you have the balls or whatever to invest your entire life savings into it? No, right. you, you probably wouldn't. You're not the kind of person who's right. going to make that kind of commitment or decision. So these opportunities probably aren't as big as they seem. And mm. there's probably not that much difference between going all in on IGTV versus going all in on an established platform. It's about mm-hmm. which one's a better fit for you and which one do you, um, which one do you commit to? Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a big point. Hold on, Steph. Riff on that for a second. What does that make you think of? The part, the, what you Corbett just said was the purpose is not, or the, the, the opportunity isn't like Instagram TV versus some of the others. The, the opportunity is really like, what, what is it? What about going all in on one of these platforms that clearly already is working, whether or not it's a new one, but it, because it's the format, it's the function, it's the, it, it's the thing you feel most alive doing. Riff on how does, what do, what do you think in the context of this conversation about opportunity, Bitcoin, 200Xing your stuff in years, uh, in a sh- small amount of years, like Instagram TV, we imagine, we imagine this is the kind of thing that can happen in a new social network, like Instagram, like people who are early on, they just, they're able to just be ballers and big and whatever. But that concept that Corbett just said really kind of gets to me. What do you think about with it, Steph? 
I can't help but go even bigger in terms of like, I just think about life in general. So what it, remi- it kind of just makes me laugh because what it reminds me of is like, I think all of us know that it's possible if you really wanted to. So to Corbett's point of going all in on, on some game plan, it's possible to come up with a really aggressive savings plan that would have you retire when you're 55. Like that's possible, mm. right? Or like own some incredible amount of real estate or some kind of like super aggressive investing plan. We all know that this is available to us, right? Most of us who are working, that's mm. an option. But what you have to weigh it against is what do you trade from your today self? A lot of people value travel, uh, being able to go out to eat without thinking about it. Um, you know, things that you do with your friends the camping weekend you guys just did, things like that, right? So even though there's always these opportunities out there, you you have to weigh it against the life that you're living today is what it makes me think of, you know? Mm. It's like, mm. so for example, with the IGTV, like, yes, yes, it's possible to go all in on it and abandon everything else, but what does that take away from the business that you've already set up and the game plan that you already have? If you're, I just, to me, it always comes back to energy, enjoyment, the path that I want to be on. I, that's just personally what I run every decision against is like, well, yeah. hold on, what do I want this to look like for me? Like, what kind of business do I want to be running? I mentioned this before we started recording, but a lot of times people will hear stories of, you know, a customer raising their hand and saying, Hey, can I, can I pay you for coaching services? I'll pay you $2,000. And a lot of newer entrepreneurs are like, Oh my God, like you say yes to that. Right. But you have to ask yourself, am I trying to build a business where I'm coaching people all the time? Not everybody wants to do that. So any decision you make, I think this comes back to what is your vision for how you want to be running your business? You know, with IGTV, like, do you see yourself as someone who would have to be on there every single day? Does that sound appealing to you? If you zoom out and look at the rest of your life, sure. Do you want to invest all of your money so you can retire in your fifties? Or do you want to enjoy travel to some extent when you're in your twenties and thirties? So Mm. it just makes me think of like, this isn't just true in business. This is true in all of life. And we just have to be at peace with the way that we're running things today and do the best you can with those decisions. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay, so missing opportunities because we're so focused on one thing. It's almost like the, the da- there's a danger of being too open and there's a danger of being too closed. This, I think, is, is something that like you can apply to effectively everything in life. For me, parenting, it's like, yeah, there's a danger of being too open. There's also a danger of being too closed, you know? Um, the opportunities out there clearly exist. And as Corbett said, like hindsight is 2020. Like you'll be able to go back and look back and go like, I should have done this or I didn't do that. Or I'm glad I did this. Right. This is always going to be the case with your entrepreneurship journey. Right. And we're just speaking of entrepreneurship here. I mean, we're talking about more than that, but like talking about entrepreneurship, whether you should focus on this idea or that idea, whether you should jump into this social network or that platform, um, hindsight is always going to be 2020 and where you're making decisions right now will always be in a place of potential. Maybe we could call it potential vulnerability, uh, a place of uncertainty. And yet that is exactly where you're going to be Every single time you make a decision. Okay, so embrace that a bit. Get into that, you know, free, free fallen kind of point of view because you're going to be making a lot of decisions from that place. That's actually your most powerful place to make decisions in. Okay, now we've got one more danger for you. But first, here's a quick message from an entrepreneur who's using HoneyBook 
to take their creative business into a full-time thing. I got into photography because I love documenting the most important days in people's lives, but I had no idea how much time I would spend running the business. HoneyBook changed all of that. It streamlines my entire process and handles everything about making my business thrive. So HoneyBook powers creative entrepreneurs by taking care of things like business management, invoicing, payment processing, and more stuff like that. So, so frankly, you can work on the stuff that matters, like making decisions, like evaluating which way you should go, uh, which one actually is more likely to succeed, I guess, right? To, that's like That seems to me like one of the hardest things about this conversation that we're having is that we're having to actually do our own legwork on uh, and make our own decisions with the help of our mastermind mentors, other people who have come before us. But that's what so much of the work of entrepreneurship really is not invoicing or, you know, payment processing, but these things are essential, right? For our business, you don't get paid without either of those, right? So it's nice to have a honey book in your, in your corner doing that stuff for you. And they are offering fizzle show listeners, uh, 30% off of your first year of HoneyBook. Good thing about a thing like HoneyBook is, is you get into it, you don't have to switch again. You're not going to like need to switch, hopefully, later on. So when you buy the year thing and you get 30% off, you're basically getting a killer deal because you use the code, what's their code here? Fizzle, when you start a trial. Or you can go to honeybook.com slash fizzle, okay? So honeybook.com slash fizzle, 30% off your first year of using their product. And we keep hearing great things about them. Check them out. And then we've also got another sponsor, Sezzle. Corbett, yeah. tell us about D- this. Did you guys know that only one in three millennials in the U.S. owns a credit card today? Millenniums own credit cards? Millennials. Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why Sezzle created a cutting-edge payment platform that enables shoppers to buy now and pay later like a credit card without the same financial pitfalls. Sezzle allows shoppers to pay for a purchase in four equal installments, completely interest-free, and then Sezzle pays the merchant in full upfront and assumes all of the repayment risk. Since launching last year, Sezzle has integrated with over a 1,000 online stores, providing those stores with an average increase in sales of 7% and an average basket size lift of over 50%. So you can increase sales online today by enabling your customers to shop now and pay later with Sezzle, and you can receive a free 30-day trial by going to sezzle.com slash fizzle. That's S-E-Z-Z-L-E dot com slash fizzle. Wow. So it's just like, it's like layaway. It's it's like you pay in... For interest interest free payments, and so they're they're getting actual storefronts to shine up for the sign up for yeah, this. Yeah, over or a is this something I can already have signed up for it. So if you are looking for an alternative way for your customer to pay, if you're finding out that people aren't signing up because they don't have a credit card, check out Sezzle, and you can get a free 30 day trial at sezzle.com slash fizzle. Wow, that's awesome. And interest-free stuff, sezzle.com slash fizzle. Sorry, I spoke over you at the end there. This is very interesting. It's, it's, a, it's a good idea to be able to pay for stuff in installments, but if there's no, there's none of the interest thing. I don't know. I mean, they might have some like loan sharks out there. What are they, what are they doing? I default on this thing. Break my thumbs? Yep. How are they doing? Break it? I got to think through that stuff. <laughs> Man, that's okay. I got two of them. I'll give them my first one. 
that's on the house. Okay, the the let's get into our third and and final danger here. This has been already such a great conversation. Just thinking about to me, I love these conversations because I mean, I bet there's a lot of people listening and going like, "This is kind of a boring fizzle show episode." But I bet there's a lot of others <laughs> going like, "Dude, this is the business." Do you know what I mean? Like this really is decision making. Like this is the business, and you never have a hundred percent certainty. You're kind of always teetering between something that will have worked out or won't have worked out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so let's get into this next one. What's the third and final danger, Corbett? The third and final danger for me, and, and this is clearly the biggest, and it applies not just to the what we've been talking about now, but to everything in business and not to overblow it, but I think Steph was right. This this has a lot of parallels to life as well. And that is just getting stuck in analysis paralysis and not mm-hmm. doing anything because you can't make a decision. You can't move on, you know? And mm. I think this one applies to everyone, although some people you might be able to identify yourself if you're listening to this and recognize that you're one of those people that has a lot of anxiety around decisions, even small decisions. You know, should I get this or that for dinner tonight? You know, should we uh, travel to Japan or Thailand? Like, you know, there's which Bluetooth headphones should I right. get? There's a million what hard drive. What spare hard drive thing should I, should I purchase? <laughs> right. And, and a lot of us, I think, you know, if it's, if it comes down to just buying something on Amazon, we kind of know how to make a decision. Now we ask a friend or we look through the reviews and we also know that we can send something back if uh, if it doesn't work out. With your business, however, a lot of times decisions have such imperfect information that it's reasonable that you would have anxiety because you basically have to, at some point, like Steph said, make a decision, move on, and let go and just try to get comfortable with the fact that you did the work that you could to demystify these decisions. You chose one with the best information you had at the time and you decided to start making progress on it. Mm. When, if you don't do that and you sit there and dwell on a decision for weeks and weeks and weeks, and you do that, not just about one thing, but you do that about a lot of things, then you're taking so much valuable time in your business away from actually making things and attracting customers and instead spending that time dwelling and thinking and ruminating Mm. and not making any progress. I think that's a real major issue for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of interesting. That might be a good reframe for people. If, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, I'm one of those people. I've just been like thinking about launching a business forever. Um, I remember hearing this the first time and being like, wow, that's really liberating. Oftentimes making no decision is making a decision, right? If you yeah. think about it, like if you decide to just waver, you're still deciding to not take action on something. So right. there really is no world where you can wait to make a decision. Like by waiting, you are defaulting into a decision. So you may as well be active about it versus letting the decision happen to you. Right. right. And now here is the easiest way to get yourself making decisions. Okay, you have a decision to make. Well, that decision is a, you pull out an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper, just a piece of paper, any piece of paper, right? Just do this by hand. Draw a line down the middle of it, right? The left column are the pros. (laughs) The right column are the cons, right? These are the good things and the bad things about this decision, right? You have another decision to make, pull out another piece of paper and go to town, 
Write down the pros and cons of each of these decisions you're trying to make. Get it out of your head and into the physical environment. So now now you get to look at existing data that you're making decision between instead of you're constantly having to hold the entire gamut of information in your head and be constantly spinning through all of these pros and cons naturally right? It's a, it's a bad place to be when you're making decisions. There's this old trick where you just get it down on paper, you get it out of your brain so that you can actually, you can actually make a decision on it. That is just a pure and simple, basic, basic piece of how to be a CEO 101, right? Just have a bunch of those paper lying around with a line down the middle and it's pros and cons. Go nuts on it. Go over the top with it. Make what's for lunch, dude. Pull the paper out. Line down the middle. Good reasons. Like here's what we could go. Let's go to this Mexican food place. All right. Good reasons for going to the Mexican. Here's the pros. I like beans. Here's the cons. They make me fart. Right? Whatever it is for you, just go nuts. What are the things that you actually think about it? And do it. Get it out. Get all the crap out. Get all the crap out. I told you guys once about the time that David Allen, this productivity guru, he was talking to him in this this audio there's this great audio seminar that he has. I don't know if it's still out there somewhere, but it was on the it was on the the, the black market there of Torrent Worlds for a while and I got my hands on it. And it was just this long seminar and it was amazing. One of the things he got you to do is take a a, a piece of like like take a, a like a some paper, whatever, and go start at one end of your house, have your spouse start at the other end of the house. And as you're walking through your house, just make a note of every single thing you want to fix, update, change, clean, all the things, right? You're not allowed to do it. You just make, you just get it all out on the list. Yeah. And you walk through your house and you do this. And you like literally what you'll probably end up doing is just take the paper and throw it away because you already feel like a million bucks. <laughs> you just feel so much more clear. Yes in your head, in your mind. You got all that crap out. Now, a professional entrepreneur takes that list, prioritizes it, uh, outsources it, gets it done, right? That's the only difference between an entrepreneur and a a wantrepreneur is the entrepreneurs are actually getting things done. You're an entrepreneur to me if you're getting things done. And then... You have that moment where you like pause, scan, nod, as we say in the speaking world, pause, scan, nod. And then how are we doing? Do we have the results that we anticipated? Is this heading in the right direction or not? And this is the final piece of this conversation for me. It goes back to that essential journeyingness of entrepreneurship, of life as a whole, where it's like, all right, we made a decision. We made we put pros and cons. We had to, we could choose between doing IGTV or or staying the course and doing the thing. We wrote the pros and cons. We decided to stay the course for how long? What are the results we expected to get from this? All right, put it on the calendar. Two months from now, we've got eight weeks. What are the goals we want to accomplish between those here and there? What are the things we just want to see done? And what are the what's our hope in the results in the traction that we get from these things? In two weeks, if you come back up for air because your calendar event notifies you, hey, spend a couple hours looking at how are our results on on this experiment. Now, hey, welcome to entrepreneurship. Because then you're at, you're, at the sa- you're at this place again where it's like, all right, what do we do now? Which way do we go now? Should I go back to IGTV? Let's, like we've seen more of it now, right? Or should I stay the course even more so? 
move on to another thing that like, like the new course that we've been talking about. This is entrepreneurship, baby. This is the game. This is the whole kit and caboodle, which where the hell did that saying come from? Kit and caboodle. It must come from knitting. That's got to be what, what a, a knitter calls her like basket of, of yarns is the caboodle, <laughs> right? Um, that feels like that's my closer in this is like making decision. You will never be a hundred percent certain in any decision that you're making. There are tricks where you can, where you can realize that I don't have a hundred percent certainty and yet I still need to make a decision. I'm capable of doing this. I might make a mistake. Won't be the end of the world, Right. Pros and cons, get them on a list of paper, make a decision with built into that a sense of like, when in time from here, am I going to go back and actually, am I going to actually stop and say, how, how was my decision making doing? Do I need to change course now? Is this going better than I thought it was? Is it going worse than I thought it was going to? Um, that to me is, is everything that is entrepreneurship. And that's why you need to be a part of a community like fizzle in my understanding, because Dude, it doesn't stop. It's not something you learn how to do and then it's like, it's no longer challenging. It's constantly challenging. It's constantly pushing. Steph, do you have anything to, to, to say in closing? I don't think so. I think, I think we, did, we did it and uh, hopefully we've given people some, something to think about, whether it's IGTV or listen, there's going to be more stuff that comes out like we talked about at the beginning. It might just be you and your notebook. Um, but it's just important to have that framework to be able to evaluate where to go from here. Word. Corbett Barr, final word. Because making decisions is so important to business and life, you will improve, you will become more successful if you start gaining some self-awareness around how you make decisions and mm. whether or not you can prove that, whether or not you can reduce the anxiety around that, whether or not you can make better decisions, whether or not you can make faster decisions. There are probably all kinds of low-hanging fruit there for you. Just like you focus on productivity, you need to focus on making decisions with the information that you have as fast as you can and moving on and then giving yourself time to actually do the work so that you don't just spend mm. all of your time hung up on decisions. Love it. Love it. All right, guys, that is episode 274 of The Fizzle Show. Thank you so much for listening and hanging out. Check us out on iTunes. Leave us a little review. Do you like this show? Is it helpful? Is it helpful for you? Did you get a little thumbs up there? Leave us a little review on iTunes. It's always helpful, and we read them from all over the world. We love hearing from y'all out there. Like I said, this is 274, so you can go to fizzleshow.co slash 274. That's where you'll find all the show notes, the links to everything that we talked about in this episode. And that does it, folks. I hope to see you out there on the incessant journeyingness of life in general and entrepreneurship specifically. Thanks for listening. Find care. Take care. Serve hard and dig in, y'all. Talk to you next week on The Fizzle Show. <laughs>